0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code. My name is Paul. Your host, as always, this show is sponsored by myceudepot.com. That's M-Y-C-E-U-D-E-P-O-T dot where you can get all of your exam prep, continuing education, whether you're electrician, plumber, mechanical guy, uh, engineer. You can get your engineering CEU credits, or PDU, I guess they call those. Um, all of that information available, again, at myceudepot.com. Um, On today's episode, we are going to talk a little bit about type NMB, that's non-metallic sheath cable. Uh, In the description, when you listen to this podcast via YouTube, um, you're going to see in the description below, uh, actually a link to our Facebook page, so you can actually see the graphic Uh, that talks about this. And of course, we'll have a video on this as well in the future, but a lot of people like the podcast. So we're just going to kind of elaborate to the video, but I mean to the uh, graphic. And in the bottom description, I'm going to give you a link to that Facebook location where that graphic is so that you can actually go after you listen, uh, because I want you to take it in uh, audibly first and kind of what we're just talking about it And then you can actually go and see the graphic and that might be beneficial to you. Um, And of course, that's my way of encouraging you to visiting our Facebook page as well. Because I do want to get the people on Facebook on. You know, everybody's so anti-Facebook right now. I think Facebook was great. Uh, Privacy? I don't worry about all that. Um, If I share it, then it means I'm open about it, right? And so, what do I care? You know, so anyway, everybody's got their opinion. Anyway, but... So at this point, and my, my whole life is an open book anyway out there. You can Google me and find anything you want. So I don't worry about that garbage. So let me tell you what. Let's talk non-metallic sheath cable. So where are we at in the NEC? Well, obviously, we're in Article 334, and it's been that way for quite a few cycles. So if you're not on the 17 code, uh, if you're on the 14 or whatnot, same, same difference, right? Okay. So let's talk a little bit about now what the show, I guess, is going to be dedicated today is to securing and supporting. Uh, probably as an inspector through the years and as a head of an inspection agency for the city of Richmond and Alexandria, Virginia, back when I was in Virginia, when you go to a job site, believe it or not, you would think by now most people have a firm grasp of securing and supporting and maintaining its distance from the edge of the framing member so that nails or screws or whatever. You would really think that people have a good grasp of that. But I understand that, look, being an electrical contractor or electrician or whatever is not an easy job. Okay, There is so much going through your head, so much to do. You have to get inspections. If you're not the owner, then you worry about... The owner, you know, if something gets delayed or something. So there's, there's a lot of things to worry about. Things can slip. You have apprentices that are learning. They're really learning. Uh, helpers, depending on what state you're in, you might not have apprentices. They might be master or journeyman. They have helpers on there, just wire pullers, and they're learning the trade. It's a great trade. So anyway, stuff happens, right? But when you're walking through a lot of the things that we see, believe it or not, are securing and supporting issues. So yes, they're easy to fix. We hope. Um, not so easy to fix if you violate it and we don't see it because you got to remember, as inspector, we can't see everything. Inspectors can't see it. You know, we're not there to see everything. Now, I'm a firm believer that inspectors are educators, whether they want to be or not. When they come to a job site, everybody's educating everybody. We all have to learn. Nobody's perfect. We actually. Every time we're on a site, we should try to learn something new or, you know, try to gather knowledge and and say, well, you know, this is a good, you know, and take as many pictures as you can as an inspector that helps you. Anyway, so let's talk about 334.30, securing and supporting. Uh, Actually, I posted a thread uh, that was on our Facebook page and uh, we got into a pretty good debate. Now, people have to understand that on my Facebook page, especially the forum that's the uh, you can go to the regular Facebook page at Master the NEC, but also have one that you have to be accepted to be into. It's a closed group, and in there, it is not a democracy. In other words, if you're leading a topic astray and it doesn't, it's not germane to the topic, or you just you're argumentative about something that's not going to bring clarity, I'll erase it. You don't like it, then that's not the forum for you. Now I won't edit your the open forum, Master the NEC forum, uh, but the closed group is really has to focus on teaching people and not taking them astray. Now, if you point out something that that may be uh, not really clear, like in a graphic or something like that, you know, then then I will probably lock the forum, fix the graphic, and then open it back up, because I want to teach people right. You know, if you have an opinion, and it's plausible, then we're going to try to make it right. So it's definitely not a democracy there, uh, but it is a learning environment. And that's why we control the closed group forum on Facebook so closely, because it's really there to teach people. The open forum, which is the one that everybody can see, uh, that's just for open dialogue and, and conversation. So there are two different elements here. Okay. All right. So we're talking about securing and supporting. It's in uh, section 334.30 of the National Electrical Code, whether you're in a 17, 14, Uh, whether or not you're in the 11, 2011, or or even the 2008. So that that didn't change, right? Uh, So let me read you what it says, and then we'll kind of elaborate a little bit. It says non-metallic sheath cable, which is actually type NMB. Uh, The B, the dash B just denotes the fact that the insulation on the interior conductors of the cable assembly uh, are rated for 90 degrees C, even though you're not going to be able to use it for 90 degrees except for adjustment corrections uh, when you're dealing with 334.80, which is ampacity values, okay? So just keeping, just kind of keeping that real, uh, you know? Okay, so... It says non-metallic sheath cable. Oh, and also I should say there are manufacturers that have trade names on that product, like Romex. That is a Southwire trade name. It was originally purchased by General Cable, which was originally purchased by Rome Electric. It goes back in history. Um, that's their trade name, and it's become synonymous with non-metallic sheath cable. But traditionally, NMB uh, is just non-metallic sheath cable. Uh, also, just so you know, NMB or non-metallic sheath cable comes in three varieties, NM, NMC, and NMS. Now, NM is your normal non-metallic sheath cable. The dash B, again, denotes the inner conductors that are at 90. Uh, again, you're not using it except for adjustment and corrections, except we're limited in 334.80. Uh, but the NMC is more of a corrosive environment, and you really don't see it made anymore by any of the manufacturers because we're probably going to refer you to using UF B uh, or UFB, which is underground feeder, which is underground feeder and branch circuit cable. Uh, and, and you would find that in Article 340. Okay, so that's going to be the comparable product to an NMC. And nobody's really going to manufacture it. It's kind of like a dual product manufacturing. It's really not necessary. It's going to be very reminiscent of UF anyway. So, and then of course you have NMS. And NMS really is not used anywhere. Uh, it's kind of like the new hype, the hybrid cables we have for MC PCS, where you have class two, class three running the same cable assembly. Um, So it allows for power and communication to intermingle. Uh, It's kind of funny because it says that in the code here in Article 334, but the standard UL 719 really doesn't have any provisions for it. So it's kind of a, you know, why are we going to make it as a manufacturer when we got no provisions for it? So look for that to uh, change. In other words, try to get it into the UL 719 with some kind of standard as we move forward because uh, with the advent of... Of, of class two, class three applications uh, intermingling with the power in a cable assembly, like we already see in an MC product now under UL 1569. Uh, in manufacturers like Encore, uh, we produce it as MC LED, which doesn't necessarily mean it has to be for class two lighting only. It's for any application for class two, right? But uh, that really doesn't exist, even though the NEC says you can do it for NMS. But it's not really out there. You're not going to buy it. Uh, and personally, in a dwelling unit, that would typically use non-metallic products like this, uh, you're probably better off to use Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. But anyway, it, you know, it, we're, it's going. You'll see it progress, and hopefully, it'll, you know, it will make it into the 719. Because right now, there's no guidance for it, even though it's in the NEC. All right, so we're going to talk about ENM, which is an overall covering. It's got a flame retardant property, and it is moisture resistance uh, resistant. Don't confuse that with NMB being able to be placed in a wet or damp location application. There are limitations there and you have to look at the uses permitted and that's for a different episode. In fact, I have a series that covers everything you ever want to know about non-metallic sheath cable. Just go over to our website at masterthenec.com. Uh, and you'll be able to find that if you go over to the podcasts, and you'll you know you'll find it in the podcast. and I mean everything you ever want to know. Probably about eight hours of your life you'll never get back, but you'll know everything you want to know about non-metallic sheath cable. So let's get back to securing and supporting. So securing and supporting is probably when we go on a job site. You know we're walking around, the inspector's walking around. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for. Uh, we're glancing at box fill, uh, and incidentally, we'll do an episode just on that. Uh, that's going to be a video one because you know it can get complicated. Um, not complicated when you're used to it, and you're walking around and you're glancing at it. So we're looking at that. We're looking at staples, securing and supporting, making sure. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and we're looking at fan boxes to make sure they're listed fan boxes, and if they're going to be ceiling fans, and you know, and all this kind of thing. All right. So securing and support. Here's what the code says. So if you don't have your code book handy, and you're driving in the car. I'm going to read it to you. It says non-metallic sheathed cable shall be supported and secured by staples, which is probably the most common way of doing it. Cable ties that are listed and identified for securement and support. Now, that's new language in the 2017 code. Okay, So cable ties, and it's very common for somebody to drive a staple on a cable tie right in the middle of a framing member two by four and then put the you know couple of the NMBs uh in it and then you know put a you know and then take the cable tie and cinch it down and it kind of holds them in the middle but before that really the cable tie wasn't really listed or identified for any type of securement or supporting process when it comes to non-metallic sheath cables so you know we got that in here now uh, for that um because that's a very common practice. Um, and I did it for years and never had an issue with it. And, I, and, and if you've ever tried to get one of these cable ties loose once you cinch it down, buddy, you'll see that it ain't going nowhere. And it's less prone to damaging the cable assembly unless you just wrench that sucker so tight. And why would you do that? You remember, uh, it's not about driving the staple or cinching something tight so that it embeds into the cable's sheathing. It's simply to hold it in place. It doesn't have to be tight. You know, but sometimes people lose sight of that and they want to drive that staple home or something and you create a potential issue. All right. Anyway, it says or straps, hangers, or similar fittings designed and installed so as not to damage the cable. Uh, And it says at intervals not exceeding four and a half feet and within 12 inches of every cable entry into enclosures such as outlet boxes, junction boxes, cabinets, or fittings. And then it goes on to say flat cables shall not be stapled on the edge. Now this goes to our graphic. And again, down in the description you'll be linked to the Facebook page which gives you a, you know, you can see the graphic and read some of the details in the graphic. Um, It's important to remember that in 314.17C for supporting non-metallic sheet cables, if you're dealing with a single gang non-metallic box, that is not larger than two and a quarter by four inches, uh, and it has no internal external cable clamp. In other words, it's just got those openings, you just punch it out and you just put the cable in. It doesn't have to be mechanically secured to the box. If that's the case, then you don't secure it within 12 inches of the box, you have to secure it within eight inches of the box. Now, if there's a clamp on the box, or there's an internal built-in clamp on the box, uh, then you just you can go all the way up to the 12 inches. So the 8-inch allowance under the exception in 3147 c, is when there is no clamp on the box, and the box is within those dimensions, and you're just bringing it in. So that's the typical non-metallic 21-cubic-inch uh, or 19-cubic-inch nail-up little blues, you know. Uh, usually the blue ones, I think the carlon blue. Um, typically that's what you get, and there's nothing that secures that cable... the actual box itself. You have to make sure that the sheeting goes into the box at least a quarter of an inch. Um, Can it be more than a quarter of an inch? Some people say, well, that doesn't look nice or that's sloppy. That's not what the code says. It says it has at least be a quarter of an inch into the box. Now, if you want to bring an inch in or two inches in, that's your thing. Go for it. But it has to be at least a quarter of an inch. Now, one of the things that did change for the 2017 code was to make it clear that that never was required on a metal box with non-metallic sheet cable coming into it, which didn't make sense because obviously the plastic box uh, is not gonna hurt it, you know, you know, hopefully. But now with a metal box you have to also extend it in where there's a clamp, you have to extend it in Uh, a quarter of an inch because that clamp could if you didn't extend it in and that clamp built into the metal boxes could actually pinch the inner conductors and that could wear it down and cause a problem depending on the tension of it or the compression of it so you want to make sure that you extend the sheathing in for the metal box so that was a change in 2017 just to make it clear that hey that quarter of an inch rule that needs to apply also to metal boxes as well that's just a bonus for you that we weren't going over a code change today but I figured I'd throw that in there all right now so part of that rule is that you have to secure and support it every okay, every four and a half feet. Now, can I secure it every three feet? Sure. Why not? If you want to use more staples, go for it. If you want to use more straps, go for it. It's perfectly acceptable. Now, if you go and look at the graphic on, that I have on the Facebook page, you'll see that I also mention about the curbs. Now, this is the curve where you're bending it to go down the a, a side of a joist or a stud uh, or however you're running the, the cable assembly. Then what happens is you have what's called a maintained bending radius. In other words, you don't want to bend it too tight because it puts stress on the insulation that's on the interconductors as well as stress on the actual sheathing material. Uh, but the, really what we're concerned about stressing out the copper, and its conductive properties by elongating it uh, or the insulation being damaged or whatnot based on too tight of a bend. Now, that can be argued what's too tight. Yeah, we do it all the time. How many times have you seen? Somebody come down a joist, or uh, I guess a stud, come to a box and then go over the box and then turn and come straight back up into the bottom. And it looks neat and everything, but then they want to crush it up really tight so it's got that almost a, a U shape at the bottom. It's really tight. And they think, they say, well, that looks okay. Well, you're actually exceeding the maintained bending radius. In other words, you're bending it too tight. So there is potential damage there. Now, theoretically... Whether or not somebody wants to argue and say, I've done this for 30 years, 40 years, never been a problem. Okay, I get you. I understand that. But I'm just telling you what the code says. So as pinions are, you can have one. But I'm telling you as an inspector, I want to see those nice radial bends. Uh, And so not that I encourage this, but a good example, as you'll see in the graphic, is that picture a baseball it can be a soda pop can uh whatever uh, the diameter you know the actual circumference of it as you kind of go around but if you think about the the bend around a baseball if you were to put it in place and you're trying to bend around it like the graphic shows then you will maintain a nice radial bend. That's not going to exceed uh, the values that are listed in 334.24. So I'm going to read that. So we know that we're securing. Let's just do a recap real quick. 334.30 tells me I'm going to secure it with staples uh, or cable ties that are listed identified for securing and supporting, which they probably will be now since this came out. All of them are going to add that little thing. Uh, Straps, hangers, or something similar that it will not damage the cable. Uh, and it's got to be done at intervals of not more than four and a half feet and within 12 inches of every box, cabinet, junction box, or whatever. Uh, except when you have those exception to 314.17C where it says that I can use a nail-up box or some other type of box that doesn't exceed the dimensions of two and a quarter by four inches. Uh, and as long as there's... Now, now let me get it straight. If the small box has a mechanical cable clamp built into it, then the securement would be you don't you can go from the box to twelve inches in and put your strap, staple, or whatnot. If the box is a typical cheap old nineteen twenty-five cent nail up box uh, that we use all the time in our residential layouts, then that has no internal clamp, then you have to secure it within eight inches. Now If you have a clamp, then you can go to 12, all right? So that's just giving you some guidance there, all right? So as long as we meet all that, then we're, we're good to go. Also, cables, they need to lay flat on their long edge and staple them or strap them to the stud. You cannot staple on the edge, okay? That's the short edge because you will crush them. Okay, now no matter how neat you are, somebody starts driving these things, they're going to crush it. Okay, you're going to pinch the two insulated conductors against the equipment ground in the middle, who knows, right? So, they have to be on their flattened edge. If you don't know what that looks like, check out the link that's below in the description and you can go look at that Facebook. I encourage you to look at that graphic. You know, it really illustrates all these things I'm talking about. Okay, so you don't want to stable them uh, on the edge, Okay. Now, whether or not how many cables, assemblies you can put under a staple, uh, that depends on the manufacturer of the staple. They will tell you how many you can put under it, okay? Don't try to cram them all underneath there, okay? I'm just saying, follow the manufacturer's instructions on those staples. When you buy them, the box will have guidance on it. Just follow the guidance. Use a little common sense, right? All right. All right, so let's look at the cable bending. So cable bending says, bending in type NM, MC or NMS cable shall be made so that the cable will not be damaged. Okay, very subjective to some people, but I can tell you, you can damage. I work for a cable manufacturer. You can damage it. I'm just saying. All right? Now, and you want to argue a debate that? That's perfectly up to you. Do that on your own time, not on mine. Okay, so next it says the radius of the curve of the inner edge of the bend during and after the installation shall not be less than five times the diameter of the cable. So again, picture yourself bending nice around like a baseball or or something like a soda can or something like that because that is going to help you maintain a nice gradual curve. People like these right angles, but right angles, especially in a cable assembly, doesn't work real well because you have the inner one that's going to be... uh, Compressed on the inner side of the cable, and then you got the outer conductor that's going to be uh, stressed out on the outer edge of the, you know, elongated on the outer edge of the inner cable assembly. Just not good. Make a nice radial bend. Now, when we say five times the diameter, the manufacturers of the non-metallic sheet cable will give you the diameter specifications of their cable assembly. They'll give you the short edge and the long edge. All you got to do is go to their website, look under their support page, and there you'll see it. For example, at Encore Wire, you go under the products, you look under the products, you look for type NMB, you find it, you go down, you click specification or product cut sheet, and boom, it'll be right there. It'll give you all dimensions. That's important because you need those dimensions when you're maybe putting non-metallic sheet cable in a raceway, a complete raceway system, and you have to meet the fill requirements so that, you know, so you treat it like a single cable or a single conductor so you don't exceed 53% fill. Um, So all of those things you have to take into account, right? But remember, not less, you have to maintain not less than five times the diameter. So whatever that long diameter dimension is, you do that times five. So from the point of the bend to the end of the bend, you have to maintain that curvature through the radial of the bend. Okay. So again, not making it confusing, I have an article for that on my LinkedIn page. Search for me on LinkedIn, let's hook up, and you can read that article. I explain everything about that in there. In fact, maybe I'll even put that down in your description so that you can learn how to do that as well. Um, but at the end of the day, folks, you have to maintain it. None of these sharp, tight bends don't want that anymore, okay? Cause damage, 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 damage. All right, all right, so anyway, there you go, um... That's the uh, the show for today. So, a little bit about securing and supporting. We actually touched a little bit on a bending radius. Again, if you're not used to NMB non-metallic sheet cable, commonly called by many people Romex. Again, that's not the actual name. That's a trade name. Um, again, trademark of Southwire. Okay, don't want to get any lawsuits over Southwire. Okay, I did give you the fact that it was your trade name. <laughs> uh, I was trying to get Encore to to call theirs NMB uh, OnFlex, okay, uh, some cutesy name, you know, you know, whatever, but you know, nobody listens to me. All right, so anyway, thanks, guys. Hopefully, you got something out of that show today. Again, I encourage you to go over and look at the graphic, and in uh, and, and, and you'll learn a lot from that graphic. So. Thanks for listening today. God bless. Until next time, that was a little bit about type NMB. If you have any future requests for some shows on little topics, because I'm trying to keep these under 30 minutes, feel free to email us at info, I-N-F-O at com. That's M-A-S-T-E-R-T-H-E-N-E-C.com. Hey, if you're a code junkie, you're a master electrician, and you want to be a certified master electrical code professional, visit www.myemoycep is ever right? no M-Y-C-M-E-C-P, yeah that's it .com, and you can find out more or just go to our website and click on the link and you'll find out all you want to do about it so anyway god bless until next time stay safe my friends